Good morning. Hasn't this been a great day at Central Church? Ah! It's days like this. I love, I love days like this when we can be together and eat together and hang out together and have a great weekend together of D now. They're half asleep, but they still had a great weekend. And I love it. And so we're in this sermon series called Why, and we've done, you know, why the Bible and why uh, pray. And today, appropriately, is why the church. And the church is because the answer to that is simple. It's why, what we've been doing all day. And I've got to be honest. I, I'm super, okay, so we're talking about why the church today. So here's the disclaimer before we get very far. Um, I am super, super biased. And I tell people this all the time, new people, when they come to our church, I always say, you know, um, I can talk to you about the church, but you got to know I'm super biased because I love this place. And I do. I love the pastors that I get to serve alongside. I love the, the office folks that just work so incredibly hard. I love the tech team that half the time I forget, but I love the tech team. Jordan was making the D-Now video like at 3 a.m. this morning to get it out. That didn't just happen like that. He put it all together. And I'm so thankful that I love our facility crew. I love, you know, Deb Pruitt was here at 2 a.m. making breakfast for you and working hard all day yesterday. I, and I, I, love, I love our students. I love you guys. And I love preaching on this day when our students are right here, right in front, because we have such a great group. So I love, I love this place. So everything else you're going to hear following this, it's biased because I love this place. Why? Because I believe the church. Why the church? The church is the hope of the world. I really, not just our church, I get that, you know, but our church is part of it. the local church is the hope of the world through Jesus Christ. It's when we believe that, that Jesus changes everything, like we've just saw as people were being baptized, and then we believe that we're better together. I can't do things all on my own. I need a community around me. We're better together when we're growing together, and that we, we can be the very best neighbors that we can possibly be to show our world that Jesus Christ makes all the difference. And so I'm, I'm super biased when it comes to that. And please understand, the church wasn't, it's not my idea, it's not John Wesley's idea, John Calvin's idea, Peter or, or James or Paul's idea, none of those. No, the church was Jesus' idea. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Usually we read that and we think, okay, that means that, that Satan can, you know, do whatever he wants and he can and sling whatever arrows he wants at me, but because of the church, because of Jesus, then, then he won't win because I, I am, you know, behind Jesus. That's how we sometimes read that. That we're, you know, we're protected by Jesus, so go ahead, Satan, do what you want. I'm, I'm all right because, but, ah, I'm not sure that's what Jesus was meaning. I'm not a military, my, my dad served in World War II. I'm not a military guy. This Thursday, by the way, for veterans, we're having lunch for you. We'd love for you to come. I'm not a military guy, but I know this. I've never once in, you know, any of the war movies I've watched or whatever, I've never once 
heard a general say, okay, bring out the gates. Come on, everybody, bring out the gates. They don't say that. What do they say? They say, bring out the B-52 bombers, bring out the attack drones, bring out the cruise missiles, bring out the troops, bring out the tanks. No, gates, what are gates? Gates are defense, right? You hide behind gates, you lock the gates, make sure the bad people are out, you lock the gates. But what Jesus is saying, I will build my church. It's not the church that has the gates, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It's not the church. He's not saying, you know, hunker down inside that building, have your little holy huddles behind stained glass. We don't have stained glass. But hide around in church, and Satan can do what he wants, and he won't get you because I'm stronger. That's not what he's saying. In fact, it's just the opposite of what he's saying. He's saying the church is on the offense. The church is, the church is storming the gates. The church is rescuing the perishing. The church of Jesus Christ is going out where there's injustice and sin and saying, no, there's a better way. Jesus changes everything. The church isn't playing defense. The church is on offense. That we are out there rescuing the person. It's doing what we've been doing today. That's what this is about. It's saying we, the church of Jesus Christ, it can't be stopped. When we're, when we're loving one another, when we're acting as, as Jesus would have us to act, no, part of our problem is the church has gotten some bad press. When people, you know, who claim Christ fall, when mega church pastors fall, when whatever, it gets bad press, I get it. How do we change that? It's changing that one person at a time. It's loving our neighbor. It's being kind to, to those that, 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 that we come in contact with. It's it's wearing our little central gear, having our central mug, and them coming up to us like they did to Jeff. Hey, what's that all about? Well, it's about oh, my church and where I go and what Jesus is doing, and Jesus changes everything. It's about going to the places where you went and making a difference, whether it's at Carriage Town or, or the Food Bank or Eastside Mission or wherever you are serving. It's saying the church of Jesus Christ makes all the difference. That's what this is about. It's, it's saying I, I can't do all that on my own. I need you and you need me and we need each other to be the church, the church of Jesus Christ. <sighs> so it's Jesus' idea and, and our enemy then, if I will build my church in the gates of Hades, our enemy, is not, our enemy is not the church next door. It's not the church of Christ. It's not the Baptists or the Pentecostals or anybody else. It's, it's Satan is our enemy and he's the one that's on the attack. And Jesus says he's the father of lies. And when anyone is, is, is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, whatever name is over the door, if they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, then we're on the same team. And the disciples, uh, they didn't get that. Mark chapter 9 is such an interesting chapter because a lot of stuff is happening in Mark 9 and the disciples end up not getting what's going on. It begins with Jesus and James and John and Peter at Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that? And they go up on the mountain and, and who shows up but Moses, he's been dead 1,400 years, and Elijah, he's been dead for 800 years or so. And, and, and God's voice comes over, this is my son, listen to him, right? <clears throat> Powerful moment. Peter wants to stay up there forever, but Jesus says, no, we gotta go down. So they go down, what happens at the bottom of the mountain? There's a kid that's demon-possessed. The other nine disciples and the religious leaders couldn't chase out the demon, and, and they're wondering, they're arguing about it. Jesus comes in, chase out the demon. They don't stick around there, but they head, they get on the road, start heading to Capernaum. 
on the road to Capernaum, Jesus lays out exactly what's going to happen uh, to him. In, in verse, whatever verse it is, 31. It says, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. So he lays out, right, what's going to happen. Disciples don't get it. And they get to Capernaum. And Jesus turns to him. And he says, hey, uh, what were you arguing about on the road? In verse 34, but they kept quiet because on the way they argued about who was the greatest. Those big dummies. Jesus has just been on the mountain with Moses and Elijah. God Almighty has said, this is my son, listen to him. He came down, chased out a demon that they couldn't chase out. And, and, and he tells them, he lays out the whole plan. And they're saying, you know, who's the greatest? So they were quiet. Yeah, because they were dumb. And, and then the cherry on top, so you think that's bad. Then John, who was up on the mountain with them, so John should have known better. John says, teacher, verse 30, 38, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. Remember, they couldn't do it. We somebody who was doing what we couldn't do, but we told him to stop because he was not one of us. <gasps> it's like, have I ever told you the story about the guy who, who saw a guy walking towards him? He had a Bible in his hand, and so he thought he was a believer. And I told you the story, and the guy says, hey, are you a believer? And the guy says, yeah, 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 I am. But you know, you never can be too sure. They're really a believer. They can say they're a believer, but are they really a believer? Don't know for sure. So the guy asked him another question. What about the virgin birth? I believe it. What about the deity of Christ? No doubt about it. What about death of Jesus on the cross? He died for all people. The guy was starting to get a little excited, but you never can be too sure. So he said, what's the status of man? Oh, he's a sinner saved by grace. Well, what is grace? It's God doing for man what he couldn't do on his own. All right, all right. What do you think about the Bible? Inspired. What do you think about the church? Body of Christ. Good, good. Conservative or liberal? Conservative, okay, okay. What branch are you from? Southern Congregationalist, Holy Son of God, Dispensationalist, Triune Convention. No way, me too! What branch? Premillennial, post-trib, non-charismatic, King James, one cup communion. Hallelujah, hallelujah! I just got one more question for you, brother. Is your pulpit wooden or fiberglass? And he said, what pulpit? And he drew back and said, you heretic! And he stormed off. Stupid. Jesus, we saw this guy doing what we couldn't do in your name, but we told him to stop. Because, you know, we like the fruit, we just didn't like the orchard. And Jesus said, don't stop him. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. Jesus says that now would have been the time for Jesus to give out like a list, a manual, a, you know, make, the, make sure they check off these things. He didn't do any of that. He said, listen, if they're not against us, they're for us. If they're doing good things in my name, then praise the Lord. 
Our enemy is not the church next door. It's not the Baptists or the Pentecostals. Our enemy is the enemy of this old world. And Jesus says that we, why are the, the church? Jesus says that, that we are the church. His church, his idea. And the gates of hell, the gates of hell, we cannot overcome us. That we are in the rescuing business. That we are in the, the finding, seeking business. We are on the offense when we are the church of Jesus Christ. And following Pentecost, the church got it. In Acts 2.42, you know, there's a church in Brighton, uh, 2.42. Well, they get that name from Acts 2.42. Here's what the early believers were doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to breaking a, and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together in everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Sounds like being best neighbors. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What's the Acts 2.42 model? Well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Bible, right? They, they were fellowshipping, hanging out together. D now. They were... Uh, sharing meals like we did this morning, eating breakfast, hanging out, sharing the Lord's Supper as well. And they prayed. That's it. Four things. And what was the result? Everyone was filled with awe. That's what I want for you. I want you to be filled with awe. I want you to come into this place. You're filled with awe. What's filled with awe? It's being excited about what God is doing. It's rejoicing at how God is working. It's recognizing that Jesus changes everything. Well, pastor, they were filled with awe because it goes on to say the many wonders and signs performed by the, mirac- by the apostles. They were doing miracles. So they were filled with awe. God's doing miracles here. Are you kidding me? My friend Eric was just baptized. He just gave a powerful testimony of what God is doing in his life. The others were up there. They were baptized. They were giving powerful testimony of what Jesus is doing in their lives. Are you kidding me? We got all these students up here who just had a great weekend. And God is working in their lives. Man, we should be filled with awe. Look at, Lord is working. Praise his name. I'm part of the church of Jesus Christ. I'm a part of rescuing the perishing. I'm storming the gates. I'm storming the gates. I'm gonna not quit storming the gates till Jesus comes. That's what this is about. So that church, that early church, they were doing it. And what were they, they were celebrating, ah, the Lord's Supper. We have this today. They celebrated it together. They recognized that this little bread, this little styrofoam thing that we call bread, <laughs> this thing that's about as far removed as bread as we could possibly get, but call it bread. It represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say about it? He said this. They're going to arrest me. They're going to beat me. They're going to crucify me. They're going to kill me. They're going to bury me. But guess what? 
three days later, I'm going to be alive. What did the Bible tell us about this? By his wounds, we are healed. We are part of the body of Christ. I love this part. I love it when we break it. Where's my microphone? By his wounds, he was broken for us. Eat this and rejoice. This, this little bit of grape stuff that's supposed to be juice that I just spilled on my fingers, hopefully not on my brand new sweatshirt. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ. What is the big deal about the blood? We used to sing this song. There is power, power, wonder. I spilled more of it. I'm not going to have to hardly drink a bit at all. There is... Carla, I got a little bit on my sleeve. Wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus Christ that no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, everybody, every time, when you find Jesus, his blood washes away all the sins that you might ever have. Rejoice and drink this in him. That early church was doing it. And they were proclaiming the good news. And great things were happening. And what does the Bible say? Every single day, daily, they were adding numbers to them daily. The people were in awe. They were experiencing the power of Jesus Christ. I love at the end there where it says, and they broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Some versions say with joy and generosity. So this early church filled with glad and sincere hearts, joy and generosity, filled with awe, God working in powerful ways, daily, 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 people coming to know him. Ah, that's what I want for us. But let me offer this word of caution. You know, those early church, they went out, right? Started in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so they're going out proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, planting churches all along the way. And one of those churches that they planted, it's in modern-day Turkey. It was a good place to plant a church because the church, when Jesus was a boy, experienced an earthquake and destroyed the city, and the Romans rebuilt the city because it was right along a trade route. And now it's in Turkey. It's called Sart now, but back in, in New Testament days, the church name was Sardis. And in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is talking to the churches and so, 40, 50 years after Acts 2, there's this church in Sardis. And man, they, they were so on fire for Jesus. This, I mean, this church was doing great things. And people in Sardis, they had a great reputation because of all the great things they had done. But this is what Jesus said to them. This great, wonderful, powerful church. I know your deeds, and you have a reputation for being alive. This is what you never want to have Jesus say, but you are dead. Oh, everybody thinks you're doing all right, but I know what's going on, and you are dead. What's happened, what happened in Sardis? They were living off their memories instead of imagination. You know, we are a church 100 years old, 101, 102 now. We've had so many, in fact, I was with some people this week from our church, and we were reminiscing, we were reminiscing about some of the old saints of our church, you know, back in the day who would hoop and holler, you know, when they got blessed. 
and they would, you know, lift up a, 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 a you know, and that's the way kind of Nazarenes were. They'd get blessed and they'd, woo, glory, you know. Can you imagine somebody sitting there, woo, glory. Yeah, and they'd wave a hanky. Yeah, Jeff is waving. We had a guy at camp meeting. We called him the bird man. And the teenagers, we'd sit in the front or in the last row, not the front row, and the Birdman would sit back there. Do any of you remember Birdman? And Birdman, he'd get excited and go, woo! And we knew, we'd turn to one another, the other teenagers, and we'd go, Birdman's about ready to take flight. Birdman's ready to fly. And sure enough, man, woo! And then he'd start running around, woo! Glory! And he'd flap his wings, and we thought that was the weirdest thing of all time. We're a hundred years old church. We have so many great memories. But we can't live on our memories. We gotta live on the imagination of what God can do. It's dreaming big dreams. It's it's dreaming what God might do in our midst. It's imagining how God might work. It's saying, God, you you've got to work here. The worst thing is to simply live on memories and just die out. <laughs> <laughs> 